From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, happy 4th of July. Thanks so much for tuning in. I've got a really special program for you today as we celebrate not only the 246th birthday of the United States, but a return to what the founders declared back in July of 1776. In the second paragraph of the preamble of the Declaration of Independence, the founders wrote this, quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then it goes on to say that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, end quote. In recent days, we've witnessed a historic shift on our nation's highest court back to this underlying foundation of our Constitution. Number one, the right to life, but also that governments gain their power from the consent of the governed, not the other way around. We're going to talk about the power of our Constitution and why it is important to the future of our nation and why it and the institutions it supports are under relentless attack from the left. Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson, a constitutional attorney and the vice chair of the Republican Conference, joins me for that conversation in just a moment. History shows us, and the Word of God tells us, our political freedom and success is inextricably intertwined with our alignment with God's truth. Well, America's moral resolve is being challenged on many fronts. Turning back from abortion on demand until birth, which, by the way, was the holding of Roe v. Wade, gives our nation hope that we can work to secure liberty for future generations. Now, many have been a part of this 50-year march for life, but some stand out, and one of them is Flip Benham former director of Operation Rescue and now director of Operation Save America. And Flip joins me later here on Washington Watch. And even before the Dobbs decision was formally released, overturning the infamous Roe v. Wade decision, the attacks on pro-life clinics and churches had already begun. Now, what does the future look like for Christians in America? Personally, I think the future is filled with tremendous opportunities. But it's going to come with some significant challenges. Pastor Andrew Brunson, the American pastor who spent two years in prison after being falsely charged by the Turkish government, has a message for the church in America. Prepare to stand. He joins me later in the special July 4th edition of Washington Watch. The website's TonyPerkins.com. Everything's archived there. In fact, let me ask you to do, to do this. After you've watched this program, listen to it. Show someone else the program. Send them the link to TonyPerkins.com because many folks uh, may be outside the reach of a radio or television station that carries this program, and this is one program they'll want to see. Go ahead and make your plans now for the Pray, Vote, Stand Summit 2022. It's going to be September the 14th through the 16th at First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Pray, Vote, Stand for Life. To find out more, go to prayvotestand.org or just go to TonyPerkins.com. Our word for today on this 4th of July comes from our Stand on the Word Bible reading program. It's Psalm chapter 9, verse 10. 
And it reads as follows. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. In God we trust. To join us in our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. On this Independence Day, we celebrate the freedoms we enjoy as American citizens, freedoms enshrined in the founding documents of our nation. And as we've seen with several recent Supreme Court decisions, the current makeup of the Supreme Court represents a majority, albeit ever so slim, of justices with perhaps an adherence to constitutional originalism that we have not seen on the court in nearly a century. We saw this not only in the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization decision overturning Roe v. Wade, but also recent decisions favoring both religious freedom and reaffirming the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. Joining me now to discuss this is Congressman Mike Johnson. He serves on the House Judiciary Committee, the House Armed Services Committee. He represents the 4th Congressional Congressional District of my home state of Louisiana, and he is a constitutional attorney. Mike, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony, great to be with you, especially on Independence Day. Yeah, happy 4th of July uh, to you. It, it's, uh, I think, especially appropriate to remember the founding of our nation and the intent of the founding fathers when writing and ratifying the Constitution. And I think when we, we see what just happened recently, we're reminded of the importance of the Constitution and why, as conservatives, we defend the adherence to that Constitution. Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, we say all the time, it's often said, elections have consequences. They certainly do. We now have what amounts to a supermajority on the United States Supreme Court. Of those nine justices, you have six now who, at least in this term, are, are voting pretty faithfully towards that principle of originalism that you just outlined there. What does that mean? It's a fancy word that just simply means we, we expect judges, and our constitutional system relies upon the idea that federal judges will faithfully interpret and apply the Constitution as it's written. They'll be faithful to the text. They won't use the document and, and regard it as the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, uh, a living and breathing document. They won't uh, look into the text of the Constitution and invent rights that are not listed there. But that's what the jurisprudence of the court had done for several decades. And now it appears, Tony, especially in light of these decisions over the last couple of weeks, um, that we are getting back to the original intent of the Constitution. And it is a long time coming. You know, what I find very instructive in this is, you know, we have talked for years. Um, you know, I've been in the uh, I'm going to talk about this in a little bit. Uh, I've been in the pro-life movement for 30 years. Um, you and I have been friends for uh, 25, I think, since you were in law school. And, yeah. you know, the the left has relied upon a liberal activist court to do their work. Now, with these court decisions, all of a sudden, they're rediscovering how our system works. I, I want to play this clip of the president this past week uh, as the uh, NATO summit was uh, wrapping up. He had these comments to say about the recent court decisions. Play that clip of uh, President Biden. The most important thing to be clear about is we have to change. I believe we have to codify Roe v. Wade in the law. And the way to do that is to make sure the Congress votes to do that. And if the filibuster gets in the way, it's like voting rights. It should be we provide an exception for this, the except the require an exception to the filibuster. Now, Admission there, 
that Roe v. Wade was not the law of the land. It was imposed upon us by the court. And so now they want to talk. And, of course, they've been talking about this since he took over. They want to codify it. I mean, they want to actually pass a law. But they can't do that either because they can't get enough members of Congress or that the Senate, in this case, to agree with them. And so they want to change the rules over there. Yeah, that's a really important point. There's so much to unpack about that clip. Of course, Joe Biden has done a fantastical flip-flop on this issue and even the issue of breaking the filibuster itself. Uh, there's a reason that the Democrats have never codified Roe v. Wade, even when they had big majorities in both houses and, and they had the White House as, as well. And that's because their position is far too radical for the American people. What the court did in the Dobbs opinion is what we had been waiting on for a half century, Tony. As you mentioned, we've been working for that for a long, long time to simply have a majority of the court uh, acknowledge the plain truth. The right to abortion is nowhere in the Constitution, as they've now pointed out clearly. It's not in the text or the structure or the meaning of the document. And so when the court made that errant ruling in 1973 in, in Roe, they invented the right to abortion out of thin air. Effectively, they got a majority on the Supreme Court to act like a legislature and impose this consequential policy on the American people. And the result, as we know, is more than 63 million American children we're not allowed to be born. I mean, it's just an unspeakable tragedy. So we've gotten that reverse. So what do the Democrats do? What do the radical leftists in charge of the government now do? They immediately want to go back and, and put that into the law. They don't have the votes to do it. They they dare not break the filibuster for this because that would be a Pandora's box that we could never close again. But the translation to what the president said there for, for everybody following at home is, oh, you know what? This time the court gave us a an opinion that we don't agree with. And so now we want to burn the institutions to the ground to enforce our unpopular policy on the country. You know, Mike, I, I can always tell how significant something is by those on the other side and how they react. And, and it's been over the top in terms of the reaction from the, the left, uh, the, that's the Democratic Party. The, if, when you read the opinion, this really goes to the heart of of where we got off track in this country, where the court, not only abortion, but it began to create these uh, these rights out of thin air. In the shadows of the Constitution, they found all of these things. And what gives me hope is that in reading Alito's uh, opinion, he's writing for the majority, is that this this court is returning us to the Constitution, which has staying power. Absolutely. You know, 246 years is our birthday. That's how old we are as a nation. And, you know, Tony, when I speak to college students and high school students, as, as you often do to young people, you say 245, 246 years to them, that seems like an eternity. But you and I both recognize and your listeners and, and viewers know that's really a short span of time on the scale of human history. We don't know how long this grand experiment in self-governance can last. The founders are very clear with their admonitions on how to keep this constitutional republic. But one of the things that is critical to, to ensuring that we have future birthdays as a nation, that we maintain the republic, is that we, we maintain and uphold that constitution with its separation of powers, with its checks and balances, with its three distinct branches of government. And the court has a limited role. The legislature has a role. The executive has a role. And, and what's happened in recent decades, Tony, is that many of those lines have been obscured. You know, the executive branch is doing more than it's supposed to because it's usurped authority from the legislative branch because members of Congress don't want to take tough votes. So they're happy to let administrative agencies run amok and make law themselves. 
And meanwhile, activist courts have been making law as well. They've usurped authority from the legislative branch, and they've been imposing their will upon the people, as we noted, with, with hugely consequential effects. And so now, finally, we're getting a realignment. We, we have apparently now at least five and probably six justices on the court who are committed to going back to that original intent of the Constitution, to, to, to saying that, look, the role of the court is not to make law. By the way, the role of administrative agencies is not to make law either. That's right. one of the most recent cases. Um, this, this is a very, very good development and a healthy thing for us to be able to preserve this republic and enjoy Independence Day celebrations going forward. Yeah, I, we don't have time to unpack this because we've got about a minute left in this segment. But, you know, I used to teach this course, God and Government. You've picked it up and you're teaching it now. And uh, one of the, the, the discussions was on change in a society, the superstructure, substructure. I mean, this is significant change. We can expect some rocky days ahead as the court has returned. I mean, this is like a, a hard right turn moving back to the Constitution. And so we need to be prepared for some things ahead. Yeah, it's, it's going to be rocky. You'll see unrest. You'll see calls for radical things from Washington to the state houses and all the way down. But we have to hold the line and we have to do uh, what is what is right and correct and, and what follows the text of the Constitution. It has served us very well for 246 years now. And uh, we, we, we deviate from that at our peril. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that we have conservatives on the court willing to do the right thing. And by right, we mean the correct thing. Right. And let's hold the line and stand for that. Yeah, absolutely. Mike Johnson, always great to see you, my friend. Uh, happy 4th of July to you and the family. You too. Thanks, Tony. All right. Well, folks, coming up, we'll talk with one of our nation's most committed advocates for the unborn as we celebrate this Independence Day. More Washington Watch to come right after this break. Don't go away. Would you like to consistently read God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. The Stand on the Word two-year Bible reading plan takes you through the Bible so that you can stay grounded in God's truth. Start this adventure today with FRC. When you sign up, you will receive a text with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversation with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that first by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? 
Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose. Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. But men need to find a model of godly manhood that they can follow. Try our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. We seek to help men develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Find an event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to this July 4th edition of Washington Watch. So good that uh, you've joined us. I hope you're having a great 4th of July celebration as we celebrate the 246th birthday of America. You know, the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade, which allowed pregnant mothers to abort their babies all the way through the nine months of pregnancy, was the result of 50 years of tireless, faithful efforts on, on the part of so many people. I mean, we, it's been a tragedy what the court imposed on the nation. In fact, put America in league with, I mean, we were one of seven nations that allowed abortion all the way through pregnancy. Well, fortunately, with the court's decision in Dobbs, that has now changed. But to get us to this point, there have been so many people that have worked tirelessly and faithfully to advocate for the unborn, to uphold the dignity of all human life. Now, it's said that victory has a thousand fathers, and while many can rightly share credit in this historic achievement, my next guest, Flip Benham, is among the most prominent for his years of faithful work advocating for life. He's the former director of Operation Rescue and the founder of Operation Save America and the father of two great friends of our program, Jason and David Benham. And on a personal note, it was 30 years ago, almost to this very day, that he was a part of organizing an event in my home city of Baton Rouge, Summer of Purpose, that the Lord used to alter the very course of my life. Joining me now is Flip Benham. Flip, Flip, welcome to the program. It's good to be with you, Tony. Thank you so much. It's great to be here in the 246th anniversary of our nation's birth. We're thankful for that. Well, you know, it, it has special meaning this year uh, because I think, you know, our freedoms are certainly, as I mentioned at the top of the program, intertwined with our alignment with God and his word. And while mm-hmm. we still have a lot of problems to deal with in this nation, what the court did uh, on uh, Friday, a week ago, when they, what I can only describe as repented of abortion because they changed their mind, which is the, the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, which means to change their mind. It gives mm-hmm. me hope that we can get this nation back on the right track and pass freedom and liberty to the next generation. 
Well, I don't think there's any question about that. Abraham Lincoln did the same thing when he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. It was a it was an imperfect document to be sure, but it was nevertheless it restored personhood to our black brothers and sisters lost in slavery. And as that happened, everything began to turn around. There began to be victories for the North over the South. And Abraham Lincoln came to the realization that the Civil War was just a judge on both North and South about the sin of slavery. And now we see this amazing overturn of Roe versus Wade uh, with the Dobbs decision. And we see that God's hand is at work orchestrating this. So I'm going to just use the words of Winston Churchill. This is not the end, nor is it the beginning of the end, but it is the end of the beginning because now God's hand is free uh, to bring this back into the states, into the uh, the uh, structure of the state so that we can, as a church of Jesus Christ, just get closer to the solution of this issue. And we, the church of Jesus Christ, are that answer, and our hands are now unshackled, and we have an opportunity to bring freedom and personhood to these little baby boys and girls that have been slaughtered these past 39 years. Tony, it's one-third of the generation, 49 years old and younger, is gone today as a result of abortion. And we are repenting of that. And it was done through the Supreme Court of the United States of America this past Friday on June 24th. So, Flip, I, I want to I step back. I got several questions, and we got uh, you're going to be with me for a couple segments here. So I'm going to try to get to all of them. But I, I want to step back. Not everyone knows your story. I mean, you were uh, you were running a bar when the Lord called you into the kingdom, and and I, why did you why did you get into the pro life? I mean, why why did this become your passion? Well, because number one, I was going to abort, abort those two boys that you know and are friends of yours. I wanted my wife Faye to abort them because I was just surrounded north, south, east, and west by myself. And uh, you know, and you know what happened was that God came into my heart. And I went through a great pastor named Dave Clarity, who was very faithful in a very small church there in Kissimmee, Florida, just about 11 miles south of Disney World. And he proclaimed the gospel message. It cut me to the heart, to the quick. I was a sinner. I was lost. I had nothing I could do. And he told me about this Jesus that would save me and save those boys and 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 to save my Faye and to save our family. And then through us to, to go into the ministry, I mean, I went in through seminary and then started a small little church, and we began, you know, to bring the gospel, the theology of heaven, live into the streets to the gates of hell, and watching God's invisible hand do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine. That's how we got here. It was Jesus and Jesus alone. And it's not just about the the babies. I mean, you, your ministry has spoken to this. It's about the mothers, too. I mean, Norma McCorvey who was the 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 uh, uh, Roe in Roe v. Wade? You had the opportunity to baptize her as she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. We did. I mean, it's when the gospel gets close, when the theology becomes biography. We set up our. Uh, uh, 
our Operation Rescue Center in Dallas, Texas, right next to A Choice for Women. That's where Norma McCorvey was working. I had no idea that she was there. And it wasn't my idea to build, you know, to have our offices right next to an abortion mill, but the guy gave it to us for $1 a month. So we said, that's where we need to go. And and as we were there, when, when God gets close, he begins to do things and the gates of hell cannot prevail. Norma wasn't the only one that gave her to Christ. There were six others in that abortion mill that were working in that abortion mill that gave their hearts to Christ. They were bringing ladies over to us so that we could help those moms to carry their babies to term because we had a crisis pregnancy center right there. It was just amazing what God was doing with just little people. And then ultimately Norma gave her heart to Christ. We baptized her on August 8th, 1995. And believe me, that sent shutters throughout the whole pro-abortion industry. It just did and it was and we realized this is a gospel issue this is absolutely a battle over who is lord and whose laws reign flip we got to take a break but we're going to come back on the other side of the break i want to talk about july 1992 the summer of purpose in uh, baton rouge so uh stick around folks you're going to stick around and hear this conversation as well uh, it was a turning point for me, but there was also something I think very relevant to what we're facing today in America with historic rise in murder, homicide. Something very unique happened in Baton Rouge in the summer of 1992. Don't go away. We'll be back right after this. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Religious liberty is something we often hear people say needs protecting. But what is it? Simply put, it is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. At Family Research Council, we believe fighting for religious liberty is essential because it is a human right that all governments have a responsibility to protect. Sadly, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a terrible reality around the world, and so often the media turns a blind eye although attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase in many regions of the world. As Christians, we look to Scripture as our authority, and in it we have a clear calling from God to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. Learn more about what you can do to help the persecuted and access Family Research Council's latest resources on religious liberty by going to frc.org slash religious liberty.
Welcome back to this special Independence Day edition of Washington Watch. So glad that you have uh, joined us. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. Now we're continuing our conversation with Flip Benham. He is the director of the Operation Save America and the father to uh, Jason and David Benham. Flip, all right, 30 years ago, uh, in fact, I remember remember it was July 3rd, there was the Summer of Purpose rally at uh, Bethany World Prayer Center, huge gathering, probably 6,000 people. And then the, the uh, uh, demonstration began at the abortion clinic there in, in Baton Rouge. Delta uh, abortion clinic? Yeah, I, I was a police officer. I worked for the city police at the time, and so I wasn't working uh, that particular. I didn't have to work, but I went down and watched, and I was shocked by the a lot of my colleagues that seemed overly aggressive. The use of force was quite significant, and I spoke out. And long story short, I was uh, asked to depart from the department. Uh, and, and, and but the Lord showed me he said to be pro-life is more than just a bumper sticker. You have to take a stand on one side or the other. And it began the, my process of actually becoming a TV reporter, then becoming a an elected official, and then a leader in the pro-life movement. But Something very unique happened that summer, and I don't know if you recall this, but th- this this um, protest at the the clinic there went on for months. In fact, the entire month of July. And did yes. you recall? You know, we had been in this uh, this spike of homicides, and during the month of July, when that when Operation Rescue was taking place, and the abortion stopped, there were no murders in Baton Rouge. Go figure. Bloodshed touches bloodshed. You touch blood in the womb and you're going to reap blood in the streets. And we have said this before. And and the amazing thing is, Tony, when you took when you took your stand, a lot of us were very proud of you. I mean, because it was unbelievable that you were losing pretty much everything because you saw the truth and you were representing the truth. And brother, God has given you a platform so that you are doing this in, in amazing ways. He's just set you up to do this. But I know exactly what happened in 1992. I remember that murder rate dropping. I also know in 1995, something you probably don't remember, is we went to New Orleans in 1995 with our national event, just like we did in 1992, in July of 92 in Baton Rouge, we went to New Orleans. Uh, Mayor Mark Moriel was mayor there, and Pastor Bill Shanks and um, Rod Aguilar, Pastor Rod Aguilar, headed up our movement, and we went to New Orleans, and Pastor Bill Shanks stood on a platform that Pastor Mark Moriel had set up for a press conference, but he was afraid to come down to the press conference because all of the Operation Rescue people were around, so Pastor Bill, with all of the 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 cameras there went up and did the the press conference. He did the mayor's press conference. This is to Pastor Bill Shanks. And he said, I will tell you this. If you will close down the abortion mills of this city, the murder rate will drop. There won't be murders. And do you know what happened? For eight days that we were out in New Orleans in 1995, in Holy Week, there, all of the mills closed down. They were told, you know, go take a vacation. This is your time because these crazy people are coming into town. And and all of a sudden, they closed down. There wasn't one murder in the streets. You know, this isn't just unusual. This is exactly what God does. Uh, I remember I had the newspaper clippings. Uh, Brother Bill Shanks, Brother Rod, friends of mine. Um, so here's my question for, for you, Flip. 
I think we're going to see a manifestation of that type of power of God on these states that choose life now in the wake of Roe v. Wade. I think we're going to begin to see a clear distinction between those states that embrace abortion and those that embrace life. You are right on. That is the litmus test, and God is going to show up and show off. For the states that choose to honor life and honor the God of this Bible and say that every little baby boy and girl is precious in the sight of God, in the womb and outside of the womb, and and you're going to find that those states, the murder rates are going to go down. The crime rates are going to go down. Everything is going to change. And in those states that choose to become sanctuary cities for abortion, you're going to find the murder rates, the crime rates to go right through the roof. God has, had, has this perfect opportunity to show up and show off. The theology of heaven become biography in the streets. And we're going to see it. It's going to be a litmus test. You'll see it in the next couple of years. And it's going to be very clear exactly who is with God and who is opposed to God. And I can just remember at the sixth president of the United States of America, and this was the son of uh, John Adams, John Quincy Adams, sixth president of the United States of America, said that the highest point, the, the highest glory of the American Revolution was that it knit together in one indissoluble bond the principles of civil government and the principles of Christianity. And Tony, you've hit it right on the head. Flip, I want to, I wanna, on behalf of so many people, the pro-life movement, I want to thank you for your steadfastness, your heart of compassion, not just for the babies, but for the moms, and uh, your commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you, and thanks for joining thank us today. Thank you for the same thing, brother. It, it do me a favor. Um, slap Jason and David, would you? All right, folks. I want to. The future, I think, is uh, is promising because we're seeing this alignment once again. But the work has to continue. And and I'm I, as I said at the beginning of the program, it's not going to come without challenge. As believers in America, we're we're seeing it already. This hostility from the left, but it's going to intensify. So what do we need to do? That's what we're going to talk about next when I'm joined by Pastor Andrew Brunson. Prepare to stand. That's our conversation next. Don't go away. A lot more Washington Watch still to come. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. 
What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, Students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Happy 4th of July. I'm so glad that you've tuned in. And, um, you know, it's a special day as we celebrate our 246th birthday. And there's reason to celebrate. There's also reason um, to be prepared for what's ahead. You know, as we... Give thanks for the many freedoms uh, citizenships, citizenship in the United States affords us as, as Christians. Uh, there are growing concerns that a wave of hostility and persecution is on the horizon, prepared to crash in on the church. I mean, we saw this during the pandemic. You know, we've seen the uh, recent reaction to this court decision. You know, even before it was official, even when the leaked opinion came out, we saw the attack on churches and pro-life organizations. So what's ahead? What do we need to be prepared for? Well, here to, uh, to discuss this is FRC Special Advisor for Religious Freedom, Andrew Brunson. He is a man who spent uh, two years in a Turkish prison after being falsely accused by the Turkish government. Uh, Andrew, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. Good to be with you. And it's it's exciting to see God's hand at work. I mean, when I saw you over for the first time, actually, we'd communicated but never seen each other until I was in Turkey in Izmir when you were on trial. Uh, you know, I never thought you'd be sitting here at the desk with me uh, as a part of the FRC team preparing the church in America for what the Lord showed you while you were in prison in Turkey. Uh, Tony, uh, mentioning uh, you actually came to Turkey and... Uh, we flew back on an Air Force plane together. I was thinking of that 4th of July. 
Uh, so I've just been released uh, through the efforts of the American government, really. And we get off this plane, Air Force plane, in Germany. And uh, the U.S. ambassador uh, to Germany was waiting at the bottom of, of the steps, and he handed me an American flag. Yeah, it was at and, midnight, by the way. It was at yes. midnight. We were exhausted. <laughs> and so I, I, I took that flag, and I just buried my face, in it and I said, I love my country, because I really do, especially since I've lived so much of my life outside the U.S., there's so many things that I appreciate about, about the U.S. that many people maybe take for granted. But I came back to a different country than the one uh, I went. To. I left in 1993 to go to Turkey, and now I'm coming back to a very different country. And when I left, I think there was still the idea that uh, Christianity was, was a social positive, you could say, and Christian morality or biblical standards of morality. Not everyone was practicing them, obviously, but they were nevertheless still considered the standard mm -hmm. by which you judge things. Right. And uh, then I think in the, in the mid-teens, in 2014, uh, 15, in the last eight or ten years, there's just this sudden acceleration away from these so that now being a Christian is actually seen as a social negative. And especially if you're looking at uh, high-status positions, it does not help you at all to say that you're a Christian. And as far as uh, the standards of morality that come from the Bible, from our Judeo-Christian background, those are actually being repudiated. So there's just been this sudden change that's really accelerated in the last years. So one of the uh, concerns that I have, having gone through persecution and uh, struggled during it, yeah, it I remember we had that conversation on the plane flying back from, from Germany to the United States. We had... I don't know how long the flight was, but it was long, and, and we had a, a time to talk. And that was one of the things I remember you telling me is that you weren't prepared for what you went through spiritually and emotionally in that prison. It was more difficult than I anticipated. And we'd already had some difficulties in Turkey, just the context we're working in and threats and attacks. But, but this uh, went beyond what I had expected. And I think this is, one, this is one of the reasons why I'm concerned uh, as I come back to the States and I see the environment that, that is becoming more hostile and I think is going to become much more so in the near future is that many people aren't prepared for the hardships that come with persecution. I think one of the reasons is that people uh, think, well, it's, it's just going to purify the church. It's going to be good for us. And it will do that. Yeah. There are some good things that come from persecution. But, but, but purification requires fire. Yes. And that can be painful. And actually, when Jesus talks about persecution, he warns believers that they will face this. There are always warnings because there are dangers that come with it. So my concern has been we're not ready and we need to prepare ourselves so that we can stand as things become more difficult. And, of course, you have uh, a new video series. Is it eight, uh, eight segments? Uh, it is. Well, there are seven segments, and then there's a final one with Noreen. Right, and it's Prepare to Stand. And, folks, you can find out more about it. Go to, uh, to TonyPerkins.com. But that was birthed out of what you saw happening in America. And I remember, again, we just happened to run into each other on the mall here in Washington, D.C. One Sunday morning, we were both going down to a church service on the mall. And, and I'm, I'm here maybe one weekend out of the month, I mean, out of the year, on a Sunday, and we happened to run into each other, and you shared with me that this was the burden that God had put on your heart. Yes, and I, I think one of the reasons that, that more Americans are not uh, alarmed right now 
And what I want to do is, in a sense, sound an alarm and say there is danger coming uh, is because they think, really, it can't get really bad. We can't have uh, serious persecution in the United States. And I don't say that we're going to be like China or that we'll be like North Korea, but there will be financial pressure. There will be social pressure. We already see what some of that will look like. And I think many people think, no, that really won't happen here. And part of it is uh, an expectation that this is maybe just a political cycle and that uh, as, as long as uh, conservatives uh, win in the midterms and everything's going to be set yeah. right. Yeah. But I, I look at the, the way that our culture is going, uh, the direction of the stream of culture, and I think political victories are very important. We need leaders who will, who will be courageous and carve out areas of liberty uh, for, for everyone but for, for Christians. But our culture is going very quickly in a very negative direction. And uh, I think of uh, pretty much every institution in our society now that has power is dominated by people who not only do not have faith themselves, but cannot even understand people who do have faith. Well, in many cases, hostile to it. Uh, very much so, hostile and getting more so. Why, what's behind that? That's a good question. I think it's a... a a rejection of God. I'm sure there are all kinds of sociological reasons, but what we see is that uh, the leadership of our institutions, and I think especially those who are shaping public opinion, are basically rejecting Judeo-Christian uh, backgrounds. I, mean, I think there's also an eschatological explanation as we, I think, move toward the end of uh time as we know it in the return of Christ, that there is, as Jesus said, the, the wheat and the tares. There is a, I mean, there's a lot of good happening. I mean, I think yeah. you see there's a refinement that's taking place in the church. I mean, you know this. Last week we were at the International Religious Freedom Summit. The, the, the gospel's going forth around the globe. Muslims are coming to Christ. People of different backgrounds are coming to Christ. There is a move of the Spirit in the world today. But also evil is on the march, and we're seeing it pretty prominently here in our nation. Yeah, I look at uh, w one of the things that's preparing the way for persecution, I think, is one, one issue is religious freedom. You just mentioned the Religious yeah. Freedom uh, Forum. And uh, it used to be seen very much as a basic human right that was supported by people on right and left to some degree. Right. Uh, it was a bipartisan issue. Yeah. yeah. So you look at the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. That was passed Congress with huge numbers. Right. It would be very difficult to pass that now. I don't think you could. Yeah. And so uh, I think of even the Supreme Court decision in, in Dobbs. Uh, this is being portrayed as this was a victory for Christians that is going to oppress people. And then you look at the Supreme Court decision on the football coach uh, who was fired from his job for kneeling uh, on the football field after games on his own. Uh, and fired for that, and the Supreme Court says, no, we're going to defend religious freedom. The state shouldn't be intrusive in that way. This is being portrayed in media as, again, a victory for Christians that's going to impose morality on people. And so these things have kind of, uh, as I was talking with Mike Johnson earlier, when we talk about change in a society, this has kind of poked the bear, if you will, on on the left. So, I mean, we're already seeing it. We're firebombing uh, care pregnancy clinics. They're defacing, vandalizing churches. 
what does the church, and I, maybe I should say, what do Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, need to do to be prepared for, for what's ahead? So one of the things that I talk about in the video series, uh, I look at some of the danger areas that Jesus warns about, but that I also experience myself. You think, what do we do when we're afraid? How can we prepare ourselves so that when there is a threat, so that when we are afraid, that we do not run but stand? And there are things that we can do, mindsets that we can develop, uh, disciplines that can prepare us for that. Or what about uh, when we're disappointed in, in God? You know, mm-hmm. I think people may recoil when I say that, but... You went through that. Yes, where... You know, I expected to have a sense of God's presence, of strength, of joy, and and I didn't have that. And people are going to go through difficult times, and God is going to allow it. I think of, uh, you know, we're not under judgment, but our, our country is entering a time of judgment. It's inevitable. And so uh, as our country is being judged, we're, we ourselves as believers are not under judgment, but we are going through that with we're, everyone we're feel- else. Yeah, we're feeling it. So we are going to... Uh, go through difficulties, and many people will say, God, where are you in the midst of this? And then when people persecute us, people will say, well, how, God, how could you let this happen to me? I'm your son. That's what I said. I'm your obedient son. And so God allows persecution, uh, not to the full extent that it could be. Often he, he, he works in the midst of it. Yeah. But I think many people, when they're put under pressure, you think of someone losing his job, you know, and it can sound very glorious, this is for the kingdom of God. And it is. And that person is going to be rewarded immensely and carry honor in heaven. But in this life, well, they may struggle financially and maybe the people around them, their family members will pay a cost as well. So how do we prepare our hearts so that when we're under pressure and we are experiencing difficulties, we do not become disillusioned and our love grows cold? One of the other things we saw during COVID, and when people are under pressure, this happens, people binged in all kinds of ways. And uh, often when there's pressure, one of the responses is to just try to escape it through going into pleasure-seeking. And how do we prepare ourselves so that we don't fall prey to that and just kind of um, basically start binging on things that will take our minds on very negative things, on sinful things that will take our minds off of the pressure we're under. And then there's the, the big one of deception, because this is going to be a major issue for, for believers. When you have uh, the media and many, uh, I would say, progressive churches saying faithful followers, those who believe basically what Jesus taught in the Bible <laughs> are people of hate, and churches that, that maintain faithfulness to the scriptures are churches of hate, a lot of people are going to become very confused. Mm-hmm. How do we guard against ending up being deceived? I think, in, in, of course, in the video series, you go into this more. You and I have talked about this, but it, 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 I think it becomes incumbent upon us as believers to develop the habits now that will be needed to sustain us in those moments of challenge. And one of those is to be in the Word of God, because that's where we can discern between what is true and what is not. It is the acid test for what we're hearing. And so many, I think, in the church today are not in the Word. That's why we're doing our our Bible reading plan, Stand on the Word, is that they're misled by those in the quote-unquote, you know, left-leaning evangelical church that 
is more influenced by the culture than they're influencing the culture with the truth. So there's a real rejection of truth. Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I watched the documentary, What is a Woman? Yeah. Uh, and I recommend that to people. And it's just astounding how at the elite level, uh, no one is willing to or even can say what a woman is. Yeah. And you just see a deconstruction and rejection of objective truth. This is one of the very important things that uh, we're supposed to say about everything, whatever God says about it, whatever right. he says about it. It's himself. not our opinion. It's the word of God. Yes. And so sometimes people say, uh, Andrew, what you're, you're bringing up political subjects. For example, the, the wedge issues that uh, I think are, are going to drive opposition, especially are the ones that are contested in our culture where uh, Jesus demands obedience from us. For example, gender identity, sexual morality, life, biblical justice, these areas. And uh, we, uh, if, if we stand for those, then we're going to come under pressure. Right. And many people, if we say, talk about these subjects, they say, well, that's political. Well, it isn't. To me, it's an issue of, uh, we, I don't want it to be political. You know, and there's this uh, picture in Joshua 5 of uh, an angel stands before uh, Joshua, and Joshua says, "Who are you for us or for our enemies? He says, neither. I'm, I'm representing God. And so God isn't Republican. He's not Democrat. He's God. And he's saying, get on my side. Right. And so when we speak truth about these issues, it's not political. People will interpret it that way. It's simply a matter of truth. The series, Prepare to Stand. Um, eight series, or eight, uh, eight episodes, uh, walking people through these various aspects. Um, Andrew, I, I just want to thank you for sharing that with them. I think they'll find them riveting, uh, insightful, and giving them the preparation for what they need to stand. Andrew, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining me on this 4th of July, and uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. And, folks, I want to thank you for joining us as well on this 4th of July. And it's a, it's a time to celebrate, but it's also a time to prepare. Be prepared for what's ahead. Go to TonyPerkins.com, and you can watch this series with Andrew. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where it says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.